Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. You see, then I asked, what is Christmas to you? Is it food? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it gifts that we receive and look forward to? This is what Christmas used to be to me. And for many people today, this is what they look forward to every Christmas. For the Christian, Christmas is about worship. Worship to God. And I remember the days when Christmas Eve and Christmas churches used to be filled with people. Not anymore. It tells us the times that we are living in. And it's really sad because the text in Micah, as I was pondering, it said that, Behold, it should come a governor out of Bethlehem that shall rule my people. And today, people do not want no kind of rulership. They say they're Christians, but the Lord has no rule over their lives. They are unruly. And they would argue with you that they are Christians, and it's not according to this text. The Lord's rulership is different. It is not a rigorous ruling like the Pharisees and the scribes. It's a gentle ruling because he gives his people the will to follow him. He rules over his church. He rules his people. He's, he's the governor over the souls of his people. And if you are a person that you don't like rulership, you don't like the, the rule of Christ in your life, it is very obvious that you have not been saved. And I find that preachers need to open up a little more and preach these truths to the people. Um, if, if you cannot submit to his rulership, you're really not a believer. Um, but we gladly submit to his rulership. We don't fight with him. But Christmas is about worship. In all three gospel narratives, this is what we read in our Bibles. In Luke, in the passage we shared earlier at the Ditmas Park um, Rehabilitation Center, the shepherds were the first responders to Christ's coming. They worship and they glorify the Savior. There was also Simeon who waited in the temple to worship the Savior. Even though the temple had become apostate, nevertheless, the Holy Spirit told him, wait. Anna did likewise, a woman that was a widow for 86 years. She didn't go after another husband because she recognized that her husband was promised, the husbandman, the bridegroom, that's what he's called. All of these phrases, synonymous with the kind of savior he was. 
And here in Matthew's account, the wise men came into the house, same result, their worship. They did not worship the star, but the savior. And this evening we have chosen to shift to a simple gospel message. You wouldn't hear a more simpler message than this one this evening in Elmira. If you don't remember and understand this, you would not understand my preaching. Now the word wise men are not found in the original language of the Bible. If you take up your lexicon, you would not see this. They're usually called magi. There were prominent figures from the Persian region who was in the trade of astrology. Now, it didn't mean that they believe in the horoscope. They used to study the movements of the stars. There was nothing wrong with that. You know, in Barbados, they got this observatory, Harry Bailey Observatory, where you go, Charlie, I don't know if you ever went there. You always said, hmm, Brother Deputy, and you're able to get a telescope and draw the stars very close to eye. I mean, you call it an observatory. That's uh, just look and study the star and the movement, how they look. They look much different than you see some docks up in the air when you, when you bring them close. But these magi were, were very prominent figures. The wise men studied the movements of the stars, but they may have been acquainted with the prophecy in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, that, that, that um, typifies the Lord as a star. Numbers 14, 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star, capital S, out of Jacob. And a scepter, this, this, he's, he's a king, shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Now, you know, Moab was an enemy of Israel. And here this star is coming to judge the world. Um, and they probably studied this. They came to Jerusalem sometime after Jesus was born. And they worship him. Well, some of the religious cults, like the Jehovah's Witness, contend of the age and the timing of Magi's visit. This is an issue with them. That when, he, when they came, that Jesus couldn't be a baby. And they, they, they have an issue with this. But that's not important. The important thing that Mark Martin is that a savior was born. You overlook this. I even marvel at them because they can't sing these Christmas songs because these Christmas songs honor Christ and they don't want to honor Christ. And yet they're Jehovah's Witnesses. When these songs are sung, all they do is honor Christ, but they can't sing them. Something is odd. The whole world is singing and going to the supermarket in Zimbabwe around Christmas. What do you hear? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. The world stands still at Christmas. What the Jehovah's Witnesses. Don't ever get caught up in cults that de deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it came sometime after. But because this event is recorded in God's word, I think it is profitable for us. 
is an evangelistic call as well as an exhortation to Christians. And I will overview the passage in making three simple headings this evening. One, the place the Magi came, the place they came. Twice the narrative referred to the wise men and their worship. Verse 1, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, girls and boys, there were not three men. As men, we heard we three kings of Orient are. They're not three men. It was a lot of them. Uh, and they came in, in, a, in, a, in a caravan, actually. They didn't used to travel uh, like that. Uh, but history tells us that Herod the Great reigned in Jerusalem between 37 and 4 BC. And Jesus may have been born around 6 BC. And there's a dispute. Um, they narrate between 4 and 6 BC. But Herod was the king, and it is a sad reflection of how Israel had become having a heathen king over them. It is really a, a rebuke to the nation who had this heathen, ruthless man reigning over. In fact, he had built the temple, he used to lick up to the Jews, so to speak. And if you read secular history, which I believe some of you do, see that. He, he, he built this temple. That, that's the temple that is called Herod's Temple. That's, where, that's why Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. But Jesus wasn't talking about Herod's temple, he was talking about his body. So Herod, Herod, Herod built a temple, but Jesus wasn't talking about that temple. Um, but the wise men came the right place. They came to Jerusalem. They came from the east, not East Flatbush, but the Orient. They came from the region of Persia, where, very interesting, the place where Abraham came from. Patriarch. They may have arrived months after they saw the star appear, judging from the madman Herod, who calculated two years after this drama to kill all those babies. So this time we have lapsed, and they, Jesus could have been around that age. But this means that they travel a great distance, most likely on camels. They travel, and back in those days, they travel with medicines and different things. You remember when the lady, the Queen of Sheba came, she came with a great train. You remember she came with spices. This is, was the natural way, Theophilus, that those people travel. In, in those days. Today you hear some professors say, it's too far to come to worship. I gotta take two trains, pay two fares. Nonsense. Nonsense. Worship incurs a cost, and at times a distance. I was telling someone, in Ohio, Dion. Uh, maybe you should go to Mike, I mean, what's his name? Yeah, Mike Waters Church. 
It's about 80 miles away. But Corey traveled two hours and I'm thankful for you coming here. When you don't come, I ask for you. But you will go a distance to seek the Savior. You will go. I used to travel 26 miles, me, Marcel, and Dion, and pick up Jackie on the way to go to the Manhattan Bible Church most of my life before I came here. 26 miles every Sunday. That's what led me to City View because I wanted to come somewhere in the evening instead of going back up the FDR drive and I, I landed here by Marcel's design, of course, not knowing that the Lord was using her to nail me down here. So any, any fault for me coming here is, is my wife. But you will travel to worship. You, it would incur a cost. People that talk in this nonsense, I live in Queens, I live here, they're talking nonsense. You take the train, right? To go to work. Take a bus to the subway, then you take the train to work. You ain't doing it for church. The place the Magi came is what I'm considering. Today, Jerusalem is no longer the place where one will find the Lord Jesus. And we know this for a fact. As a matter of fact, I was listening this morning and I heard that Bethlehem is in rubble. Can you imagine tourist attraction? People used to go there every year. That's why you don't put any stock in a physical place. It's sad though, the place where Jesus was born has become a war zone. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And, and it is good it happened because all those people that used to go there and worship God, no fatnik. That's not the place. Remember what Jesus said to the, what it was, the Samaritan woman? Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. For they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jerusalem was once the central place of worship and identifying with the God of Abraham. The apostles met there. The Ethiopian eunuch came there. The gospel began there. But today we don't go to Jerusalem to seek the Savior. Um, but the Magi came the right place back then. Point number two, the person they saw. Person they saw. This head will, I will extend this head a little more because it has a lot of weight. In verse two, they came saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Three times the narrative used the masculine. Where is he? For we have seen his star. We are come to worship him. The Magi were not, um, what's the word? What's the word, Brother Othniel? They were not monotheistic. That's many gods, right? Mono, huh? 
polyistic. Okay, I, I get cross up Doris with it too. Polytheistic is many gods. They were monotheistic, one God. I don't want to say the wrong thing. People, forgive me. I just don't remember. The man is getting old. Yes. They worship one God. You came to worship him, not her, as some do today. They would have been idolaters if they worship her. And you need to tell your friends and your family that. And that's why they call wise men. Because of the person they sought. They made inquiry. As we look at a few things about them. Under this head. Person they sought. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now this was to assure certainty. Where is he? It is as you come into our church and says, where is he? Who, who is being worshipped here? The preacher, his wife, the children? Where is he? And when anybody come here, they shouldn't ask, where is he? Because he should be proclaimed and lived out in the lives of God's people. They made inquiry, and people would make inquiry to assure certainty. They did not view Jesus as a future king, but a present king. Brother Presley, remember we had that debate? Well, here it is again. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now where is he that will be king? Present tense. Soon coming king what? I think we ought to get our theology straight in light of the dispensation movement we came from and refute that kind of teaching. Vehemently, didn't view him as a future king, but a present king. The language does not imply that he is a future king, but he was born king. You remember in those days you would hear and Josiah became king when he was eight years old. I always used to wonder about that. Uh, because that he ran in co-regency with another king until he get to be 16 or 18. But he's king. Josiah. I noticed that Josiah only began to execute his kingdom or his, or his, or his office when he was older and began to clean house. But he was king. Jesus wasn't king at eight years old or six years old or 12 years old, but from the moment he was born. David was promised that his son would sit on his throne. And the moment Christ was born, he sat on David's throne. And officially he ascended to the throne after his death and his resurrection. That was his coronation. So understand the person that we worship. We understand this. If he was a mere future king, Herod would not have any cause to worry, but immediately Herod wanted to kill him. 
Herod understood the wise man language. They made inquiry. Second, observe with me the evidence they gave of this king. For we have seen his star. They did not say, for we have seen a star. They weren't that general, they were specific. We have seen his star, Charlie. These ones were not evolutionists, they were creationists. We must teach our children the truth. The stars are his, and he made them. Everyone. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. The host is the star, the starry heavens. Psalm 33 6. Matter of fact, Psalm 8 says it beautiful. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? They made inquiry because they had evidence. We, we saw his star. He made that. And numbers tell us that there will be a star of David. And today you see the Jews got this star, Mabel, of David. Numbers. So they understood. Observe thirdly, I said we were going to spend a little more time in the person they saw. They made their intentions known. We've seen the star and we are come to worship him. The Magi did not come to worship her, did not come to worship the star, but came to worship him. They did not worship the false deities of the Eastern culture. They could have stayed back there and worship. They could have said, it's too far. They came to worship the Lord Jesus. These are some very important insights. If you are a Christian, these are some very important insights that if you're studying the Bible, you must see and you must teach your people. And you must show them where they're going wrong. And a lot of us are going wrong. We are not worshiping. We are not sacrificing to worship. We are kidding ourselves. We may not be converted. The person men must seek is not a mere baby, but God, the creator. And we must perish the thought some religious men have about the son of God. They have no savior. And you know what they try to say about, about the Lord Jesus. He's just a man. He, he, you know, he's a prophet. He's this, he's this. That, that is not true. Today, some in Africa say, this is how we worship. As though that there's a God for one nation and another nation. Um, this is how we live. We have two husbands. We have two wives. We we, 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 we sleep with who we want this night and sleep with another this night. 
Now, if that's your lifestyle, you are under God's judgment. There's, there's only one God. And, you know, you get sick of hearing people telling us, like telling Marcel about Simbabura, oh, this is, this is how we are in Africa, you know? You, you have to just forgive people who, who live like cats and dogs. Let's all live together as one happy family in the church. You're a pastor. That's what he said. You're a pastor, you know. You got you to put up with, with this kind of life, you know. You, you know how we are. This is how we live. But see, you just do not understand the Bible and what it teaches, Simbabwe. Long before the wise men came, the prophet predicted that they would come in Isaiah 61. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. This is the Magi coming to Christ. The Gentiles coming to that light. And kings, that's why they're called kings. We treat kings. It's an evangelistic call to Jerusalem of old. Arise and shine, for your light has come. This is also an announcement to the Gentiles coming to the God of Israel and the Gentiles shall come to thy light. The kings. And by the way, we are all two. But often we are Gentiles. We are kings. He has made us kings and priests unto God. Isaiah anticipated the Magi coming to Jesus. There are some things that are born out of the inquiry of Jesus that you should consider also. Verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Not only Herod was troubled, but all Jerusalem with him. Now this shows that both King Herod and the people of Israel were alike. They were not prepared for the Messiah's coming like the wise men were. And please concentrate on the message this evening. Please keep your eyes open when the gospel is preached. Both Herod and the people of Israel were alike. And at times, politicians and people are alike. I hope that you ain't like the politicians in this country. I listen to them. They're all a bunch of liars. There are myriads of people at the right place. But they may not be seeking the right person. In fact, they may be troubled at Jesus' coming. They may be troubled when the gospel is presented. And I think a good few people here, and I don't know how they endure 
the gospel. They don't like my preaching. Or you like that, um, forget your name, man. Tyler, or you want to don't like my preaching? It's probably this Tyler says, no, no, no. Which, which one? No, no, you don't like it? Or <laughs> Sometimes you lighten it up, Brother Curtis. You know, but there are people like that. They, they see the man, they don't like the man because of his preaching. But how sad, how sad that is. You can't make people like you. Brother Charlie, you can. I know Charlie for about 30 years. I, I, I trust that he liked me. I think 30 years. I remember I tell Charlie when he used to come up here and feel it like this, come and go. I said, man, why don't you settle down, man? Why don't you decide what you're doing and come back, come up here and get married? Next year, Charlie was up and married and he was his best man. Listen to wise counsels. And they are, happy, they are a happily married couple now. Fear you owe me a lot. But as we go on, brethren, as we try to exegete this passage, don't be a person that is coming to the right place and seeking the wrong thing. There's a, a distinction between the true worshiper and the false worshiper. The wise men are a picture of true worshipers. Herod and the chief priests and scribes are a picture of false worshipers. And I'll give it to you quickly. Verses 4 through 6. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. See the text that I mentioned? That shall rule my people Israel. Now today, Israel is not ruled by Christ in Palestine. It is the Christian, the Israel of God, that is ruled by Christ. He, he is our head. He, he is our leader. He is our ruler. He is our governor. When under shepherds encourage you to be faithful, he is using under shepherds to show you what his rulership is like. When you rebel against under shepherds, you're rebelling against Christ's rulership. And this is fundamental. I'm in a situation that I don't really like to be in. But I gotta respect the office. Uh, but I, 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 it's, it's, I, I never wanted to be the pastor of this church. Never did. But God somehow God put me here. It's, it's not by choice. But in this passage, we see that the Jews to the letter were correct, but they didn't budge. They didn't batch to travel just around the corner. They were in the area and they never move. In other, in other words, they send the wise man, go, you, you, you go, you'll find him over there. The false worshipers knows the Bible in their heads. They're hearers of the word, but they're not doers of the word. This is a false worshiper. 
Are you a false worshiper? We have a lot here at City View Baptist Church. It's a warning to many who are part-time in their faith. Let us not come to the place where the gospel is presented in clear words, and yet not seek the person, Christ. Many will say in that day, have we not prophesied in your name, then many, that done many things, wonderful things in your name? Then he will say, depart from me, I never knew thee. So far then, we have looked at the place the Magi came, Jerusalem, place Messiah was promised, town was located by the scribes as Bethlehem, the house of bread. This is the place we are to come. Second, the person the wise men sought, they were clear. We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Three, the treasures there presented, verse 11, treasures there presented. Verse 11, and when they were come into the house, and here we find that, and this is correct, Jesus is no longer in a manger, but he's in the house, and very, very, very um, well put together by the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is found in the house of worship. And that's why God, don't ever think that there are words that is misplaced in the Bible. He's in the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Did not worship him and her. Worship him. And Mary, Mary, I guess Mary, Mary knew who this child was because the Holy Spirit said to her, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. She knew. That's why she kept quiet. She pondered these things in her heart. They worship him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe this is where the gift, gifts thing come from. You know, people don't understand. These treasures presented were not randomly selected. The Magi knew who they were worshiping and gave gifts according to whom they worship. I don't know. Gold belongs to royalty. This is a king. Frankincense speaks of his priestly office. He will be an intercessor. He will offer a sweet incense. His sacrifice was unto God a sweet smell. Myrrh rep represents his death. And no wonder Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea came and anointed him with myrrh. They anticipated his death. Jesus said to the woman, you worship what you know not. What? We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Isaiah 60 verse 6 spoke of these gifts saying, the multitude of camels shall cover thee. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all there from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Isaiah speak more about Christ's coming than any other prophet. 
Ah, yes. This is a manifestation of true worship to God. We come before treasures. Our brother Presley touched on this in our Bible study hour last Tuesday. And he, he rightly said it. We honor God with our substance. And that word substance means our entire being. Not ten dollars. Martin, there's some men that come in here and was putting in ten dollars in the offering for years. Hasn't moved from ten. I would like to give you ten dollars, twenty dollars a week. That's your salary. Our treasures can be our prayers. We offer prayers to God when we worship him. We render, which is the expression of our hearts. We bring large petitions to him. We open up the treasures of our hearts. Many people will think that the Lord is happy to have them worship. No, he's not happy. Why? There are too many reservations. There are too many distractions in this world that keep people from biblical, satisfying, meaningful worship to God. We're still trying to get some of our people. They say, oh, I, I work. And it would be good if you're listening to me. I work every other Sunday. So the Sunday I'm off, I come to church. But where are you now? Where are you now if you're off? Your own words are condemning you. You're not a worshiper. I hope you listen to me. You need to look at these things seriously. I hear these excuses. I only have one, two Sundays a month. But where are you? Text says, when they open their treasures, they're presented unto him gifts. We can look at these words from a spiritual perspective. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. We could look at this verse to mean that they open their hearts. We open our hearts. The Bible says that the Lord opened the heart of Lydia, who attended to the word spoken by Paul. My brethren, many people may come to the house of worship, but their hearts are not open. They're not opening up their treasures, their clothes, as I was saying this morning. I'm amazed that people can be so closed. What is what, what it is to be so closed about? They're engaged in everything else. But worship, thus they leave Bethlehem as they came. There were no instructions. The wise men had instructions when they were leaving, they worship. But as they returned, they were given instructions. And I'll tell you as I close. So brethren, this is a Christmas gift to you. The wise men came to the right place, sought the right person presented the right treasures. By way of conclusion, it's incumbent upon us to ask, are you coming the right place? 
People say, oh, you're going to leave the city view is not the only church. Oh, I know city view is the only church. But tell me a church in the city that you know that subscribe to the five solas of the Reformation. Tell me, tell me, tell me where it is. Tell me. Tell me where it is that promote the simplicity of biblical worship. No choirs, no special music. Christ said it, preacher. Tell me, tell me. You're not the only church. Are you seeking the Savior? Are you searching the web? Seeking someone off the air, airwaves? Are you looking elsewhere for truth? Are you looking elsewhere for truth? If there are biblical churches of reformation near, near us, I will support that. We can fellowship with them. I, certainly I would know them. I met a guy this morning going out the door from Trinidad. His wife is from St. Lucia. This should be an encouragement to you, Trini, Marina, St. Lucia. <laughs> he said, I'd rather I go to a Reformed church in Ontario. I said, what? I said, maybe that's why you come here. Reformed believers would seek out Reformed churches. I understand he came before. That's good. There's no church that is absolute in doctrine. None. But there are some that are seeking to be faithful. You should know them. If you're serious. You should know them. But Brother Bennett, Brother Corey live up by our friend um, Martin Rains. But I know for a long time from Pretoria, South Africa. We still communicate. But he's seeking to be biblical in his church. We exchange pulpits already. But if there are biblical churches of reformation near us, we can fellowship with them. Are you able to identify the person worthy of following? He made the stars. He made us. We ought to worship him. We need him. He doesn't need us. Surely are we obedient to the word of God? I told you I would get there. The last verse, <laughs> verse 12. You didn't read that. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. These men came to worship, but they were warned. Do you get what I'm saying? They came to worship and they worship, but they were warned. Danger ahead. God didn't have to repeat himself to the wise man with this warning, God would have had to repeat it about 10 times to you and me. They return home another way. When a person truly come to the Savior, 
our way of life will change. You hear what I said? Our way of life would change. We would go on our merry way, but we would go another way. We should be thankful. I am thankful that though I am not what I ought to be, I'm thankful that I am not what I used to be. And some of you here are intolerant. Some of you children are intolerant of the gospel. But I pray that the gospel would one day touch your heart and your life. It is my prayer. I'm gentle to you. I'm friendly with you. I talk with you. I'm not aloof. But in doing that, I am trying to woo you to Christ. So that you would see that I'm not the brute that some people think I am. I can reach down the olive as well as I can reach down to the smallest one, to Silas. Because I want you to trust Christ, the Savior. They were warned. There was another great man by faith, no, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah was warned. The Bible says he moved with fear. Everybody was laughing. But when the dust was settled, they were all drunk. Warning is an integral element of Christian worship. Every time we come to the house of worship, we are warned. If you go to worship and fellowship at a church and you ain't warned, you're going to the wrong place. We are warned not, not to travel on the old ways of sin. That's what we are warned about. Not to continue running the same course of life. Wise men have a separated walk, according to Ephesians 4.17. We do not walk as other Gentiles walk, but we walk with a renewed mind. These are some truths that we can extract from this simple narrative. The place they came, the person they saw, the treasures they presented. May God be pleased to bless his word.